hello 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 and welcome back to another episode of shamelessly unapologetic with me your host alana pinsky so this week is a solo episode and we are going to be covering the topic of imposter syndrome i feel like there are so many podcast episodes out there from a lot of like lifestyle creators and podcasters who have probably touched on imposter syndrome and I have not listened to all of those episodes but I was really inspired to do this episode based off Natalie Barbu's episode with her podcast The Real Real and it inspired me to want to do my own episode about imposter syndrome and she actually did her second episode covering that topic And I don't remember if I had listened to her original episode, but this episode came out just like a couple weeks ago and I was like, oh, you know, that could actually be a really good topic for me to talk about and like how I want to define imposter syndrome and like what my current experiences are and how I'm choosing to like overcome them and hopefully it helps y'all overcome it. So I was inspired by Natalie. So Natalie Barbu, if you're listening, which you're probably not, but... I wanted to thank you for the inspiration for this podcast topic. So before I get into that, as always, we start off every single solo episode with life updates from yours truly, Alana Pinsky. Hi, that's me. It's interesting because I don't have too much to talk about. So I'll address like just three things that have just been kind of happening lately in the past couple weeks since our last solo episode. So I'm recording this um, towards the end of May and I just think it is wild that May's already ending and June starts in just a couple of days. And so we're now finally approaching what's going to be the beginning of summer, which I'm very excited about because summer is actually my favorite season and then fall is my second favorite season. I absolutely love the warm weather. I love just the vibes and how electric it can be. So very excited about summer and summer, how summer is approaching and spring is ending. That is really wild to me. I have mixed feelings about how the month of May went. It went by kind of fast, but kind of slow at the same time. I think I've just kind of been waiting for the month of May to just be over so we can get into summer. And I just feel like May was just dragging on and on and on. But now that it's dragged on and on, here we are at the end of the month and I'm like, oh shit. May's over, finally. It took it long enough, right? So those are just my thoughts with how we're approaching the end of the month. May was definitely a very interesting month overall. I, you know, came back to Portland after a short trip from Richmond, had a nice layover in Vegas, so got to experience that for about nine hours. And then lately, I've just been, you know, working on my job search. I've been grinding up with mentor sessions. And I got back onto YouTube, made my comeback. And my sister and her boyfriend recently came to visit me. So that's one of the first exciting things that I can talk about. That was a really nice trip. So they were here for a little over 24 hours. And they stayed with me overnight. And... We basically went to like Pals, we got lunch together, we went to a Chinese food place during the night. We had taken a really long nap in between 
that from the bookstore into dinner. We were really tired. They were really tired because they had to wake up early for a flight. So it was nice for all of us to catch up on some sleep. And then the next day, we just kind of walked around some parts closer to my neighborhood. We went to Dunaway Park and we explored the lilac garden over there, which was really lovely. And then we got lunch and then I basically sent them off so they could go to Bend. And I was really sad that they did not take me to Bend because I had always wanted to go to Bend, Oregon, which is about three hours outside of Portland. And I didn't get to do that. And that made me really sad that they weren't taking me. But you know what? It's okay. There will still be opportunities for me to go. So that was a really nice visit overall to see my sister. And her boyfriend's really great. So yeah. There's that. And then recently we just had Memorial Day weekend. So I'm coming back from a long weekend, which was really lovely. I actually spent a good chunk of my weekend working on a little project, which I will talk about in just a second. But I think the biggest highlight of my Memorial Day weekend was having two of my girlfriends over at my apartment's pool. And we had the whole rooftop pool to ourselves. And we were out for a couple of hours. It was really enjoyable. We grilled out some veggie burgers. We had some mimosa-based seltzers, which were really delicious. We laid out. We talked. And it was just very lovely and relaxing. And so that was a really fun and memorable day of my weekend. So that's one thing that I also love lately is that the weather in Portland has just been so beautiful and it's been really nice being able to get out and to like lay out by the pool or go into the pool and it's been getting really warm a lot earlier than it had last year. I remember last year it was so rainy it took forever for it to warm up. I think it didn't warm up until July last year and May has been just really beautiful overall. It's been feeling like summer and not like spring. It's a little bit cooler today and throughout the next couple days throughout this week and then next week it's going to get back into the 80s and the 90s again so I totally look forward to that so I can wear some new clothes that I got so I love warm weather. It's just very comforting for me and Portland during the summer is really lovely. So the project that I have been working on and it is gonna be showcased in a video coming up this week but I redid my bedroom area and I gave it a complete makeover. I won't give away too many details but I made it look much more like me and I'm just really really excited about how it looks. And I'm just like looking around and it's just so much more comforting. It just feels more me. You'll get to see it. I can't wait for you to see the bedroom makeover video. But that's what I did for a good chunk of my weekend was working on my bedroom, spending a lot of hours painting things, reorganizing things, decorating things. And I just have one more thing left to do, which... That last thing doesn't come until I think tomorrow or Thursday and then I will be able to have a fully complete bedroom. Make sure you subscribe to me on YouTube so you don't miss that video so you can see what my new bedroom looks like. So I think that's basically everything in terms of my life updates. So imposter syndrome. As I talked about earlier what inspired me to do this episode I think imposter syndrome is something that we can all experience. I think it affects so many of us and I 
wanted to open up more about my own experiences with imposter syndrome and some things that I've always done to overcome it. Now, if you're not really familiar with the concept of imposter syndrome, this is kind of the internet definition of what imposter syndrome means, but it is that nagging feeling in your head where there's a lot of like self-doubt despite the fact that you probably had evidence of that you are able to do the things that we think we can't do. So it is that voice in our head that basically tells us that we're not good enough and that we're just faking it till we're making it and that we're going to be exposed as frauds and it's not going to feel good. I think many people in a variety of fields from like professionals to regular people, creatives, overachievers, whoever you are, I feel like we all experience this from time to time. Um, And I think it truly just affects anyone. I won't say it affects everyone, but it certainly can affect anyone. And I've had a couple of experiences with imposter syndrome. I will say I've definitely had my fair share of encounters throughout my life. A lot of it's stemmed from like my academic work, some to professional work, but I would say a lot of it really kicked in for me when I was in school and I would always find myself questioning, did I deserve the success or the recognition? Like, do I deserve to be here? I would always just have like fears that I was going to be exposed for pursuing these kinds of opportunities to try to embrace my true potential. But I've learned that like I'm not alone with this struggle. So as I mentioned, like one of the biggest things for me when it came to imposter syndrome or more like a top moment was really when it first started in grad school. Oh my God, grad school is where I felt like the biggest imposter in the world. And I felt like I did not belong in grad school. So I went to the University of Kentucky and I got my master's in family sciences. I was originally trying to go into marriage and family therapy and I didn't get accepted into the MFT program, but I still got accepted into the department and that was a department of family sciences so I could get a regular master's in family sciences. I just wouldn't be having courses on the clinical work and seeing clients and doing that internship practicum to build up my hours of trying to get licensure. When I had my first quiz in one of my first classes, and it was a class all about like family processes, and we had a quiz and I studied, and I studied for it, I was prepared for it, like I made notes on the materials, but then when it came to the quiz, it was pretty much all essay based. And at the time, I wasn't taking meds for my ADHD and I remember how my ADHD really impacted my ability to really concentrate and to try to remember any of the information that I reviewed and took notes on. Anything that I tried retaining, it was gone. And I just sat at my desk with the piece of paper in front of me staring, trying to figure out what the hell am I supposed to write? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just looking around, not looking at other people's papers, but I'm noticing like everyone's just going into town with their answers, writing huge paragraphs. And here I am writing like a couple of sentences. And I felt like a huge imposter. I felt like 
I wasn't detailed enough. I wasn't specific enough. And it just seemed like I didn't know what I was doing or what I was talking about. And yeah, it made me feel like a total fraud. It's like, why are you here? It clearly shows you, Alana, that you are a bad student. You can't comprehend what you read. You can't even write your thoughts down on what you reviewed. And everyone is just going into town writing long paragraphs of whatever we're being quizzed on. And I would have to try to feel like I was bullshitting it, but I ended up not getting a bad grade on my quiz. I think I got a B, but it still felt a little rough because I really wanted an A. And I felt like I hadn't proved myself, even though I still got a decent grade on the quiz. So it really forced me to try to find better ways to study and prepare for these quizzes and now I knew what to expect. Just being in grad school for the past two, or not for the past two years, for the two years of my life that I was in the program, it was rough. I always felt like I didn't belong because the department really focused more on the therapy students and not the students who had a master's degree in just family sciences. I felt like I didn't deserve to be in the same classes with the MFT students, and that sucked. But my fellow classmates did become my friends in grad school. I did hang out with the MFT students because those were the people that I actually was spending the most time with. It just was gonna be in certain classes, and I wasn't gonna have every single class with them. So. I had to remind myself that I did belong there. I did get accepted to this program for a reason, so I had to remind myself that. It's like, you do belong here. You just had to learn how to adjust and figure out like how you're gonna be able to thrive as a student in grad school. But I do remember just like ADHD did play a role in that, but I was able to find ways to prepare my success. And I graduated with my master's with a 3-4 GPA. It could have been higher, but that's the highest GPA that I had ever made in my life while graduating from any school. And it was a better GPA than my college GPA. I think I graduated from college with a 3.13 GPA. So obviously 0.3 higher than what I did at college, but I had to remember how proud I was of myself. But whew, yeah, I will never forget the experiences that I felt back then and how I just felt like a total fraud. The second moment of me experiencing imposter syndrome, and sometimes I still feel this way, and this just comes from being a content creator. I have always acted like I have this huge following on Instagram, YouTube, and even on this podcast, when in reality, it's a lot smaller than what it is. I mean, the numbers obviously don't lie when you look at my Instagram and my podcast, or not my podcast, my YouTube channel. Podcast, you can't really look into the data unless you go behind my analytics, which I pretty much only have access to. There are times where I feel like, Alana, nobody is listening to you. You have a very small audience. You got to stop acting like you have this huge following because nobody cares what you're talking about. And over time, I realized that's not true at all. Just because I have a small following doesn't mean I've created impact. Because at the end of the day, what matters is the people who were taking lessons away from my 
videos or any content that I put out into the world and it helps them, that's what matters. Um, another part of that where maybe it where I felt like an imposter was also talking about the information that I was putting out into the world. So with YouTube, I would talk so much about how I was navigating life and dating, mostly in San Francisco. That's how I first started. And I hadn't even lived in San Francisco for that long. I think it was about two years in to where I started making like San Francisco videos. And it's like, Alana, you've only lived here for two years. Like, how could you know so much? You, you're acting like you know everything about San Francisco when you don't. And the thing is, I don't know everything about San Francisco. I was simply just sharing the things that I've done, like what I've experienced, where I've been. And sharing like the things that I like about that onto the internet. And that was something that I had to literally remind myself. I'm just sharing what's already being presented to me and what I've experienced. So again, other people can experience the same things if they choose to. And that's also when it came to me talking about like my adventures with dating. And I tried my best to not give dating advice, but it still kind of ends up being perceived as dating advice. But one thing I will tell you is that I never, ever once referred myself as to like a dating coach or a dating mentor. It's just me just sharing my life and what I've learned. But there were times where it felt like, well, you're still single. You have no business talking about this. Well, yeah, and I I get that. And that's why I would never refer to myself as like a coach. It's just me just navigating life being single and what I've learned. And I hope that it helps other single people here too, because at least that's something that we can all resonate with. But, but yeah, when I first started off being a content creator, there definitely was some imposter syndrome and me wondering like, do I have any business talking about what I should be talking about? But when I get that feedback saying that my content has been helpful, it has been impactful, and it doesn't matter how small of a following you have, what matters is that there are people who are engaging with your content and they're expressing how much they love what you do. And to me, that's so important. That warms my heart and it's been so rewarding. And that's why I continue to do what I do and continue to put content out on the internet for people. The third thing, this is one that I'm really struggling with the most right now. So y'all know already that I've got laid off in the beginning of this year and I am a recruiter and I've been in the industry for about four years now and I have a part-time job where I do career mentoring and the biggest feeling of imposter syndrome is giving career advice and mentoring people who are struggling in the job market while I'm currently unemployed and I'm struggling in the job market with them. Fun fact, I haven't gotten an interview at all since I started my job search. I can't tell you how huge my imposter syndrome is right now because of this. It makes me feel like, well, who am I to say that this is how people need to do it to become better, to become a better candidate and make themselves stand out more in the job market when I can't even do that myself right now. But what I have to remind myself is that I am a recruiter. I do know how recruiters review resumes on the back end. I do know how hiring works on the back end. 
I know that I have done everything right in my job search and I've had to tell myself it's not me, it's the job market because I don't have a bad resume. And I also am very realistic when I apply to jobs. Like I don't apply to jobs that are out of my league. I apply to jobs that I know I'm qualified for and my resume shows that I'm qualified for these positions. Like I don't spray and pray my resume out in hopes that I just land something like many people do. But it does bother me and that's something that I'm still kind of trying to work through but I I do hope that the information that I have been sharing with the people that I work with with my clients that they are finding success in their job search and I will tell you I have reviewed some a lot of resumes that need a lot of work and other areas of improvement and I have really been able to sit down with some people to really revamp their resumes so it is more desirable for a recruiter's eye and I do think that those are things that they can control and I've had to learn that there are just some things that are just absolutely beyond our control but we can focus on the things that we can control like bettering our resume like targeting our job search strategy better how to better ourselves when it comes to interviewing how can we improve our interviewing skills basically right so those are things we can can control but if we do everything else right and we're still not getting interviews then it's probably not us it's just the job market is really competitive and it's something that I have to not take so personally and it's something that I have to tell my clients to not take personally as well because I've seen clients come with awesome resumes, their interviewing skills are great, they're targeting their searches beautifully, like they're doing everything right and when it gets to that point, it's not them. It's just there's so much competition out there that there's just certain things that they just simply can't control. That was another thing that I had to tell myself and also tell other people, but I'm still working through this right now. I'm not perfect with this one at the moment, so I'll let you know how that goes whenever I get a job and that can go away, hopefully. And then the last top moment of imposter syndrome, this one might sound silly, but this kind of has to go into with the clothes that I'm now wearing, so. I have recently changed my wardrobe style in the aesthetic that I'm going for. Now last year I did a really big wardrobe clean out and I spent over like $2,000 on new clothes because I wanted to wear more clothes that were not dated. I had so many clothes that were just simply dated. A lot of the clothes were really worn out. They had a lot of wear to them and it was just time to retire those clothes and some of those clothes also didn't fit me anymore because my body's changed. There were a couple pieces that I bought last year that I just simply don't even love a year later or I wasn't wearing and I also had a bunch of clothes that were just simply out of my color palette. Um, over the past couple months, color analysis became really popular and when I did a color analysis, I came out as a dark winter and I realized that like, oh my God, this is really accurate because really dark, deep colors look the best on me. Like I tend to wear a lot of black. Like I have a lot of black. Purple is another big color that I wear. And like deep wine or burgundy colors also look really good on me. So I do have some red and some hot pinks that I do wear. But like those are kind of the colors that I want to continue to wear. So now I am becoming a lot pickier with what color clothes I want to wear because I want to wear things that are within my color palette. I don't want to look washed out 
or I don't want clothes to completely overwhelm me to where my skin doesn't pop out or maybe I have too much contrast going on that it's too much, right? Like I wanna be able to find the perfect balance with what kind of clothes I wanna wear. For me with the color palette, I was starting to become more drawn to like edgier and more alternative pieces. So alternative fashion or just edgier fashion with like faux leather, studs, mesh, even fishnets. I have some fishnets, I haven't gotten a chance to wear them yet. More distressed clothing, more graphic tees. Kind of more emo-ish, not e-girl, not gothic. Well, And there are some gothic elements of clothing that I like, but I definitely don't resonate with gothic outfits. I definitely think that it's more of a mix of like an edgy alternative style that leans a little bit more emo and witchy but not too witchy where it's like cottage core or fairy core that type of aesthetic you'd have to like look at pictures of my outfits it's more grungy i guess you could say grunge is a good word for what i like and then i do add a small feminine twist on it but not always like not every outfit is gonna look very feminine because i love a good flannel with chain pants that looks really god on me and so I never wore, wore stuff like this. This is not how I used to dress. But over time, my style and my interests have changed. And just like the environment that I've been in, like one thing that I've loved about Portland is just how comfortable I immediately felt once I moved here. Because I had never been to Portland. I didn't know what the people were like. I was constantly meeting just friendly, friendly people I'm always getting compliments on my hair, on the things that I wear, just my demeanor and everything. And it just feels like I really found my place. And my sister said that she noticed that last week when she visited me. And that meant a lot um, hearing those words come from her. I think for me it's like, well, I never dressed like this before. Like, am I a poser for dressing like this? And the answer is like, no. Because I truly do feel more of myself. And that was also another reason as to why I wanted to change my room because my room was just not a accurate reflection of like my personality and how I choose to express myself so that is why I made that choice to change my wardrobe I know it's a big change and it's not what people are probably used to seeing me but it's what I'm most comfortable in and that's how I'm choosing to express myself over time I've come to understand that just imposter syndrome in general is just so much more common than we think as I've talked about and I think like once we recognize all the steps into how I overcome my own imposter syndrome and how I chose to navigate through it I wanted to be able to share some of my personal tips on how I overcome imposter syndrome and I feel like I've sort of integrated some of that into what I've already said here but I really wanted to just give the disclaimer that these tips may not work for everyone. I really do hope that it does work for you and that you can resonate with it. So one of the first things is to acknowledge what you've already accomplished. I think it's important to reflect on what you've achieved, whether it's big or small, and to celebrate those successes and to remind yourself of like hard work and the dedication that you put into it. So like grad school is an example. As I stated earlier, there was a reason as to why I was accepted. Like, it is already an achievement to get accepted into a grad school program. It's very hard. There's a lot of work that goes into that, right? 
I spent so many hours crafting and editing my personal statement. I had to take the GRE. I had to just do well in school. Like there was so much work into that. And so I had to remember all of my accomplishments of just getting into grad school. Also working my ass off to get close to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. It took a while, but that's also an accomplishment. So things like that is where I was able to celebrate my success and remind myself of how hard I worked and how dedicated I was to find that success and how I got to where I needed to be. So that's the first thing. The second thing was I had to get vulnerable in this process. Understanding that vulnerability is not a weakness. Anyone who thinks that vulnerability is a weakness needs to do some more self-reflection because people who are not afraid to be vulnerable or push themselves to be vulnerable, you are so much stronger than you think you are. I think not being vulnerable is a sign of weakness, if anything. Refusing to be vulnerable, refusing to show emotions, to me, that's weak shit. I think it's important to talk about anything that makes you feel insecure with people that you can trust or you can reflect and write about it or like journal. But the more you open up about what's making you feel like an imposter, it helps you gain fresh perspective and it helps you realize you're not alone in this struggle. And that's why I think it's so important to to understand that like so many more so many people can really resonate with you than you think. And talking about it and being able to have like or just or being able to discover a common interest in your vulnerabilities is really important and it can really make you feel better. The third thing is that we really are our worst critics, right? And one thing that I did was I had to challenge me being hard on myself. So when that inner voice tells us that we're not good enough or that we're worthless, we have to really challenge it. And one thing that I did over time, over the past couple years, is being able to practice positive affirmations to replace negative self-talk with positivity. Now, just remember, I am not an advocate for toxic positivity because sometimes it is okay to be negative. Sometimes it is okay to be upset about things and to be angry. When I say replace negative self-talk, I do think there are some things that are not valid because like I was making excuses for all of my imposter syndromes and that's when I remembered like I am worthy of being here. I am worthy of having this many followers or I am worthy of having this job because of all the success that I've had prior to this. So being able to affirm yourself positively and focus on your strengths really helps you shine and you're telling yourself that you are capable and deserving of success and the more you put that out into the universe the universe will return that back to you the fourth thing is just growth and reflection you have to shift your mindset Um, you can't be a perfectionist you have to be a person who needs to value growth and for me that was a huge process there was a lot of learning and experimenting and so many mistakes that I made along the way but when I was able to reflect and recognize all of this that growth came from pushing myself past my own comfort zone and I was able to embrace all of these new challenges and that really helped me a ton 
those are the four things that I can share when it comes to overcoming imposter syndrome. I am all about like lifting other people up and I'm all about helping people celebrate their own achievements and to encourage them in their own journey. Um, I think it's really important that we continue, that you continue to surround yourself with people who will believe in you and can provide you with positive perspectives. But I do hope that me sharing all of these experiences and offering my tips on how like I deal with imposter syndrome and all of my experiences of imposter syndrome can really resonate with you. This is a common phenomena that happens everywhere, but it's important that we don't let it define us. We all have the power to overcome it and to embrace our true selves and of course to shine unapologetically. So with that, I really hope you enjoyed this episode and it did help you. If you ever have an experience where you've overcome imposter syndrome, I'd love for you to share with me. You can always email the podcast at shamelesslyunapologeticpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at shamelesslyunapologetic. And if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, do make sure you give a positive review as it helps the podcast so much. Thank you so much for listening once again. I hope you have a great week and I will see you next week with a brand new episode. Bye.